This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 473, recorded Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen ESC is back, and you can find him at twitch.tv slash Stephen ESC. Really, wherever you can find Stephen, you can find Stephen ESC. Or is that backwards? <laughs> I might have had that backwards. You can find them here. True. Which is great. So one of my favorite ways to start the month is uh, the first episode of the month. That is Stephen's week. Flag in Indeed. sand, foot down. Welcome. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, kind sir. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I had a, I had a good stream today. That's why I've got nice. stream, streaming on the brain and uh, playing some Satisfactory, which is basically the only nerdy thing that I've been up to in the last little while. I They had an update. I really like the game and uh, I've been playing for years, but whenever they update and give you new stuff, you tend to spend a little bit more time uh, in there. And we've been waiting up until recently uh, for an update to Minecraft. Minecraft had a minor update yesterday. And so I was kind of twiddling my thumbs in Minecraft waiting for that update to happen so that I can move on with other projects. And so I thought, well, I'll continue to play Minecraft on the weekends, but during the week when I stream, it's been all satisfactory all the time. And uh, it's been fun. I've been liking it. I'm working on designing stuff based on Transformers and it's a slow game, but I've got the patience for it. And uh, Mm. I feel like that seems to be my MO in building games is like big projects that take a long time. And, you know, it doesn't feel like you accomplish something every stream, which can be a weird kind of walk away like you kind of have to say okay like i i I know i've made progress but i didn't check the box i didn't check off the task list you know like i'm the kind of person that may or may not add things to the to-do list that are already done just so i can check something off so (laughs) nice yeah so i've i've done that definitely when i've got like a lot of like chores around the house or whatever like you do two or three things one of them wasn't on the list so you immediately add it and then check it off to be like yeah look at all i've done today yeah Yeah, i do that all the time so (laughs) Um, that's awesome yeah um but so so that's really all that i've been up to in terms of nerdy stuff outside of regular work has just been you know some extra time streaming in in satisfactory so people can go check that out uh there's vods on joel duggan vods on youtube and of course on the twitch channel i've been streaming almost every day i take at least a day off a week but i've been popping back in um we've had some mighty crappy weather not to dwell on the weather but it's uh, now Mm. december it's been wet and snowy and rainy and uh, have not been spending any time outside. That, so that means extra time for for video games. Well, like you said, it's a game that you enjoy like that. It's it's not doesn't necessarily feel like work when you get to stream. You know, if you're playing it and it's something that you typically stream, you might as well share what you're doing with everyone. So it's one of those things that doesn't seem like work necessarily. Oh, exactly. And and I I know I've remarked on stream recently that the '80s kid in me feels a lot better about playing a video game all saturday afternoon when it's foggy and gray and two degrees and like you know it it, you don't feel like you're wasting any sunshine or wasting the day despite the fact that it's my job like it's it's i'm it's (laughs) it's perfectly acceptable to do it on a sunny day it's just that 
it just it feels nicer when you're like i am not missing anything <laughs> you know mm -hmm. yeah. I, nothing at all so so that part at least has been good and uh, i'm actually looking at getting into some other games and hopefully talking about more games on on the sigil cafe in the future because i'm struggling to find things that i want to watch on stream uh in terms of like stream streaming services and so i think in the new year i'm going to be culling down a couple of my services and um and spending a little bit more time in games and maybe trying to find some narrative games so that i can still have a story to talk about on the Citadel cafe but maybe it'll be a sci-fi story that i've experienced through a game as opposed to just watching uh, a show uh, oh, but, that'd be interesting yeah but we've got a couple of good shows to talk about later on uh so mm -hmm. we'll stay tuned for that uh in the meantime what have you been up to in the last little while since you've been last on oh well i guess it's been it's been a while since i've been on any real social media since since early in the year and i just thought i'd kind of wet my toes so to speak and just get back into it a little bit but there's you know the <laughs> the dumpster fire inferno that is twitter so i've been sort of not inclined to spend a lot of time over there so i've just just looking at different options and sort of stumbled onto and become slightly infatuated by mastodon okay or yeah. like the or the the greater fediverse it's uh i didn't know what that was at first but it's basically i like the idea of it so like the I'm still fairly new to it, but the word Fediverse is like a word mashup of Federation and Universe. So it's like, instead of it being one one centralized thing like Twitter, where everybody has to sign up for one account, you find everyone through one primary account. Um, and then if it starts to dive, like it seems to be right now, like Twitter seems to be right now, then if it goes under, then everything that you've created is just gone like at the whim of the company going under just so the idea of the fediverse is like it's decentralized and i and i might be talking about this wrong because I'm, I'm new to it and so the the idea is basically if say twitter wasn't just all in one spot but there were a number of different places that hosted a twitter community so like with mastodon there's mstdn so mastodon without the vowels in it dot ca and that's kind of the pretty pretty official canadian version of mastodon and so i can just i've got my account there but i can still see what everyone across all of the other mastodon communities post so it's kind of like i'm over here in the canada one but i can still see what or like i'm on the, the canadian twitter quote you know just as an example but i can still see what everyone's posting across like all the different twitters and so then if like the person who originally set up this community just goes i don't have the time to do this anymore so i'm going to stop you can you can actually sort of move your account over to another one take all of your followers take all of your posts and whatever with you and then just basically <laughs> sign up your account with a different community so that somebody else has created and you're still part of the conversation or if you want to set it up on like your own web hosting service you can be a community of one but then still see the greater posts like all, all of the posts that everyone else is putting out there so it just seems like and it's all open source stuff, so nobody can, nobody can own it. Right. So it's like one of these, yeah, it, it's basically, unless everybody in the world decided to just stop using Mastodon, it won't go away because of the actions of one or a few people kind of thing. Seems pretty neat. There's a couple of social networks that I've seen popping around. I'm trying to remember the one that needs an invite. I don't think it's Mastodon. Uh, Blue Sky. Blue Sky. That's the one. I Every now and again, some of my artist um, 
not friends because we're Facebook friends, but like, I don't actually know them. A lot of artists that I've added over the years that I've interviewed on comics coast to coast or just like different mm. people that I want to follow for a while there to try and get rid of all the chaff that was in Facebook. What I did was I followed mm -hmm. a lot of artist pages so that most of the time my feed on Facebook was like mom, dad, sister, and then like art and which is great. But then I'll see like everyone now and again, one of these artists I'll follow will pop open and say, Hey, I've got a dozen invites to blue sky if anybody wants one. And then of course, by the time I even look at it, they've, they've all gone and been, you know, divvied out to different people. Cause I don't check Facebook that often. I have an account there. It took a while to get an invite, but I, I can probably send you one it's sure it's I mean, it's it's by some of the i think original creators of twitter and so it's still semi-centralized but also from what i understand then still built on some of the open stuff so i don't it may hmm. be it may be like a good happy medium between the two um but yeah it's um i haven't played around with that one very much but like the the idea of the whole fediverse where like i said you can have multiple twitters or multiple mastodons like there are Fediverse versions of like a lot of the current popular social media platforms. Like there's, you know, Mastodon equals Twitter, PeerTube equals YouTube, PixelFed is Instagram, Friendica is Facebook, and there are, there are other ones as well. So it's like, but you know, the the number of people who are active on these is just a drop in the bucket compared to the big ones, obviously. But just, you know, whether it actually kind of matures into something that becomes a place where people like a ton of ton of people go it's like the idea of it just it feels more the dabbling i've done so far it feels a little bit more community based mm. and there's there's no there are no algorithms to boost your stuff higher up it's just if you follow people you're going to get that stuff in the order that the people write it so it's yeah and there are no ads and there are no ads that's one of the things you can't you're not allowed to put an ad up so it's just it's just chatting that's nice about the ads. Now, I, I wonder, like, because you can't do ads, can you do things like, hey, I'm streaming live. Here's my link. Can you do that? Or is that considered advertising? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I know that, like, there are artists who are like, hey, everybody, you know, I've done it. I, I think it's meant to really squash corporations coming in. Paid advertising. And advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I've seen people, like, who are artists going, hey, everyone, um... I've got some cool new t-shirts that I've designed and they're up on my, you know, they're on my website. If you want to come and have a look, that'd be great. I'd really appreciate it. So it's, you know, very not earnest, but just, you know, it just feels like honest conversation or like, Hey, I've done a thing. Can you come and have a look at it? It'd be great. If you, you know, if you felt like buying something, that'd be cool too, but it's not 20% mm. off your next iPhone purchase. If you buy a car and mm. <laughs> yeah, all this <laughs> spend yeah. $6,000 on a vacation as well. Kind of thing. Well, and the thing is like, uh, I enjoy Instagram. It's probably the only social media network that I browse consistently besides TikTok. But TikTok is like brain off just looking at stuff. Oh, yeah. Instagram is like I'm looking at friends and looking at like, you know, a friend going hiking or family Christmas dinners and like just stuff like that. Catching up with like a wide, wider network of friends. I don't do that on Facebook. I do that on Instagram. But Instagram, especially in the stories, my gosh, there's a lot of ads now. And yeah. it's just, it's really uh, annoying to the point where I end up just shutting the app down and be like, well, whatever, I guess whatever, whatever story I'm not getting now, I'll just get it later because I guess I'm not interested in just scrolling through so many ads. And I find them like exactly. auto audio on, you know, like their video and sound. And I'm just like, that's not what I want. Like I just, I'd rather not deal with that. Um, and I also find too on Instagram, I don't necessarily scroll the post feed very much. It's normally just the stories that I try to catch. And then if I mm. do see like, oh, 
that's really cool. That person went hiking. Then I'll go to their actual feed and be just like, oh, there's lots of cool pictures here. Like that kind of stuff. Like I tend to need the story right. to point me in the right direction. Um, Twitter, cool way to do it. I don't consume. I post Twitter all the time, but that's like a, I'm streaming live. Come hang out. Thanks for hanging yeah. out. Here's what I did. And here's who I sent you all to. It's, I use it as like a networking connective <laughs> alert system. I don't Copy really, paste. yeah, I don't read it yeah. very often. And I, I probably should be more on top of this because when all of the social media stuff was happening, like I was just getting into art and entrepreneurship and all that kind of stuff. And I jumped on most of them, you know, I, I, not all of them are still around, you know, like Google had one that went away and, um, I've had others that have disappeared too. Um, I used to use Slack. Now I use discord, like just that kind of stuff. Right. And now I, um, I should be looking more at, at like a Twitter replacement. Cause like you said, like the majority of my uh, alerts and I'm streaming now and connecting with other streamers happens on Twitter. And if that ever goes away, then I'm going to have to start over again. Um, however, like I did it when threads came out to Instagram and I started a threads account, they made it completely impossible to, to really, keep track of like it's behind other things like it's mm -hmm. a whole other app you just you see people post to it but you go there and i just all i saw was people just posting the exact same stuff they were posting on twitter just in a different platform do you find the user interface on threads confusing like i'm, oh, like very. I'm yeah. scrolling down and of I, course I can't I do. tell it's designed who's by somebody i follow <laughs> who's somebody i don't follow mm -hmm. it's just like it's just it, i should say it looks like mo most of the p things in my threads are people I don't follow. Yes. But I like, I have no idea why they're there. It's like, what? It almost feels like Instagram where every second or third post is an ad over here. It's every second or third thread or post on threads is like them saying, Hey, you should go connect with this person. You're not actually connected with. And I just it drives me crazy. They did something like that on Twitter a while ago and they defaulted you to the discovery feed as opposed to the, you, the people you're actually following. Uh, oh, the yeah. people you're actually following, it's still not, it's, it's, lo it's logarithmic. It's not chronological still, but at least you can say default, start me on the people I'm following feed. I don't care about people I'm not following. That's the whole purpose of me following only a small, yeah, I say small, I probably follow about a thousand people on Twitter, but like, they're not all people. Some of them are like news accounts and like, yeah, yeah. there, there are some things I find useful on Twitter. Like if something big happens in the news, like CBC or local Halifax news. Like it's nice to get that. Like it's nice to catch that right away. Usually like weather yeah. emergency related, that kind of thing. So like, I can understand that, that aspect of it. Um, I still call it Twitter, refuse to call it X because it's stupid. And they, well, they have, they haven't even changed the website. It's still twitter.com. <laughs> it's not X.com. Yeah. But still, it's like, you know, you've got tweets and retweets and it's like, what yeah. do you, what do you call it? X's and re X's it's just dumb. dumb. It's super dumb. Yeah. And then on, on Mastodon, they call them toots, like a tooting. <laughs> like Mastodon. a tooting. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's yeah, really, really cute. fun. Yeah, no, uh, actually, I like it. One, one thing I do like on Mastodon, which is far superior to Twitter, is like when you, re, when you repost something or like retweet it, it's actually not... Like when you, when you retweet something, it basically takes it and posts it on your time, unless they've changed it in the last little while, but it posts it to your timeline. And if you get... If, the, if somebody goes cool and likes it, then you get one heart on your post. It doesn't actually accumulate on the original post. It's like, that's the way it used to be. So I, like, I haven't been on Twitter in ages. So unless they've changed that, then it's, that's the way it is. Whereas on, on Mastodon, it's like Tumblr, where if you repost something, you're, you're basically boosting up the original one. So every time somebody reposts it or likes it, all of the credit goes back to the original 
mm. post that somebody created. So it's uh, that's that's one of my one of the things I think is fantastic about it. Yeah, I mean it, it's still all pretty new, and I'm new to it, but I find it pretty intriguing overall. The idea of like a decentralized social network. I know they all have to start somewhere, but I feel yeah. like because of just how much the other platforms have in terms of user base, like trying to take a dent out of Twitch and YouTube, good luck. Like, oh, yeah. I, you know, and I'm not saying I love Twitch. Like I, I, it's got some issues and so does YouTube. Like for example, uh, my Joel Duggan Vaz channel on YouTube recently passed a thousand subs, which means that I can turn on advertising and cool. YouTube has removed a lot of the advertising choices that you have. You basically have ads on or off, make sure that it's obviously it doesn't have any copyright stuff in it. And that's including stuff that they're going to false positive because you used copyright free music, but then so did somebody else on YouTube and they decided to copyright their video. And so YouTube thinks that their music is copywritten, but it's not. Ugh. And so you're better off to just not have any music in any of your videos. So that's fine. Um, but then at the same time, if you, you, you have either run ads, yes or no. And then after yes, you can say, do you want us to also include mid-roll ads? And for an edited video, and I know this because uh, Johnny, my co-host on the Spawn Chunks, was kind enough to run me through this. On an edited video where he goes and fades to black every five minutes or so, as like a natural mm. break in the, in the flow of the video, that's where YouTube sticks an ad automatically. It's just, oh, he's faded to black. We'll do an ad there. But on a stream VOD, it just puts ads every three to five minutes like it is it would be infuriating to watch yeah, like i i wouldn't it's... even stay on that person's channel like i'd be like bye see ya can't can't deal so i have to either manually go in and delete all of the ads <laughs> and then now thankfully i take breaks once an hour so it's very easy to find my five minute break screen and just throw an ad block there but ultimately it's just too much work for too little gain so what i've done is, is i don't run mid ads mid roll ads and the problem with not running mid-roll ads is that they re removed your ability to choose what kind of ads you want to run. They just pick whatever ad they want to run. So previously in a mid-roll ad, you could just say, run an ad every three minutes, but don't have it be a video ad. Just have like a little pop-up, like just something that mm. doesn't interrupt the video, just kind of like pops up and then goes away after 30 seconds. Like that's normal. That happens all the time. It happens on Twitch, all that kind of stuff. But they don't, they don't let you choose that anymore. They used to. And so I came in Jeez. too late, I guess, with my, with my VODs. So anyway, like that kind of stuff, like YouTube and Twitch are not perfect, but like, I'm not streaming on YouTube because I've seen the community. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to deal with that kind of chat, you know? And so I deal with the shortcomings of Twitch because I'd much rather have a modest, uh, we'll say well-behaved in the grand scheme community compared to what I see <laughs> elsewhere you know it's, it's the same reason why my discord is closed you know and why people that support this podcast people that support me on patreon or me on twitch they get access to the discord because it mm -hmm. keeps out the riffraff like people don't want to pay a buck to be an asshole they want to do it for free and so <laughs> it just it means that you know you don't have to deal with hardly any of that stuff which which is great so for me, you know, social networks, they get broader and broader and then you just end up being either part of the noise where like good luck yeah. being noticed or you're just opening up yourself to like all these bad actors and all these conversations that you just don't want to have. Case in point, you know, we mentioned TikTok earlier, any kind of video that's talking about something serious on TikTok, the 
comment section is a dumpster fire oh my of goodness, yeah. people completely missing the point and just wanting to make themselves heard you know like every now and again there'll be a good user that that can handle it but most of the time it's just uh, attracts a lot of um the negative people that just want to take others down or just want to watch the world burn and so uh i've slowly over time on both facebook and on tiktok uh instead of uh art and family and friends uh, on TikTok, it's mostly like gym videos and puppies. <laughs> that's kind yep. of when that's what that's my auto feed. I was like, I'm fine with yeah. that. That's great. Dear, dear you know? algorithm, please just give me this. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of travel, a little bit of hiking, but then mostly mostly dogs. And it's just like it's on purpose. If I see a dog video, I like it. You know, I'll make sure I watch it to the end. And if I see something else, I'll skip it before it gets you know gets done. Uh, one of my favorite things though on on TikTok right now to end on a, on a positive note is you'll see something along the lines of like someone giving you advice. More often it's like the, the men or women giving each other advice, you know, unsolicited. And right. some girl will be like, Hey guys, you know what I really want? You know, you know what you really need to know about women to go on a date and, uh, or like, Hey, do you want to, have you ever tried to do this on Snapchat? And then the video is edited and it says, oh, yeah. Nope. Anyway, and it just like plays like Black Betty or like a Kickstart My Heart or some 80s rock. And it's just like the most ridiculous over the top, like America's Funniest Home Videos, like some guy, you know, getting hit in the nuts on a skateboard or uh, some big monster truck doing a flip. <laughs> and it's it's basically like, you know, we don't care. Watch this. And it's basically yeah. just like nonsense. Hijack. And it yeah. makes me laugh so hard. Like it's, it's such a clean <laughs> sense of humor. They're not being derogatory. They mention nothing about the original poster. It's just like, nope. Anyway. And then just, they just, here's some cool shit. <laughs> you know, like just nice. so fun. And I, I, I watch too much of that sometimes. I, you know, you realize like, oh, it's midnight. I really should not be watching TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the danger. Time to go. Time to go. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that we maybe should not be watching, uh, let's move into the things that we have been watching and I will kick us off by sharing the fact that I watched Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny, which is available on Disney plus because I think it's on part of the star, uh, streaming service. And that is owned by Disney and part of Disney plus. And so I watched it. Is it bad? No. Is it good? Also? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone needs to see this. If you're an Indiana Jones fan, I I feel like you're probably jaded because of the crystal skull and rightly so. And they made all the same mistakes in this one. And and it's it doesn't have Shia LaBeouf in it. Actually, <laughs> they remove Indiana Jones's son with one line. Like there's not even a photo. <laughs> So they just erased his entire existence with a throwaway line in this movie, which I did find kind of funny. Wow. But I don't even think this needed to get made. I think that somehow they appealed to Harrison's Ford's nostalgia. And and I, he said that he wouldn't want to do it unless it was a good story. I, I, I don't think it was a good story. You know, like I, there were some fun moments with him. Like there's, he's a still, I mean, he's still a fantastic actor. And mm -hmm. despite the context, he, he is fantastic in those shoes, but he's 80 and it shows and they don't pretend he's not like they, they definitely make sure you realize that he's an old man. Uh, but, and they don't beat that to death, which is good, but it just kind of takes away a lot of the kind of, I don't want to say gravitas, but some of the 
oomph that the others have, even when he was a little bit older, like even when he was in his fifties, like it still wasn't, you know, um, yeah. it, it was still better than, than this. Uh, there's also some terrible moments with CG animated Gumby Harrison Ford that are like, it's just subpar. You can like see Gumby is in like, he's like rubber. He's actually, he's rubbery bendy in it. rubbery bendy. Like you, you go like, really? there's a scene where Indiana Jones is running across the roof of a train as one might do in an Indiana Jones movie. And it looks like a cartoon. <laughs> like I'm it glad is, you clarified that as yeah. one might do. It's terrible. <laughs> It's, it's not even uh, a close up. It's just like you couldn't with the budget that you have, you couldn't just film him in a green, like it's film somebody, a stunt double in a green screen, jumping from one thing to another. You had to animate that. Like it was awful, completely needless. Mm. Uh, there's a scene that from the trailer that I thought looked right. really wonky and it looks just as wonky in the film when he runs a horse through a subway tunnel um along a street and and granted they had to do a lot of cg because like they're portraying i think it's new york in the 60s so like you can't just shoot that like that doesn't exist anymore and so that stuff felt very green screen and not good green screen like the mandalorian it was really very obviously green screen and um yeah like on this there's other things like it's very formulaic there's indie there's a woman that's witty and sharp tongued and fun. And then there's a kid and you're just like, it's just, it feels very samey, you know, that's too bad. Yeah. And Teddy, the kid is terrible and, and like acting is mediocre, but the, the writing for the character is just abysmal. Uh, there is a decent car scene chase somewhere in Africa. And that was fun because like, I can't remember what they're called, but Indy and the crew are on this little like three wheeled thing it's not a car. It's not a bike. It's kind of a weird kind of mix between the two. And, mm-hmm. um, they're bombing around these old stone cobblestone streets trying to catch somebody. And like, that's fun. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, but it's also fun, you know, <laughs> cause somebody's hanging out the window and punching somebody else in the face and trying not to get shot and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's fine. Uh, but then the movie t- quickly descends into like the bad guys are one note and boring. The climactic scene went somewhere they shouldn't have i i don't know how spoilery i want to get on this so i will simply say the thing that i am not looking for in an indiana jones movie is science fiction uh and time travel Mm. is up there and that's that's what i don't want from an indiana jones film and i was talking about this with with johnny and um i think that that's the difference is that there's weird and wonderful things that happen in indiana jones movies but they've always been more spiritual more magical you know, the right. Ark of the Covenant, the Temple of Doom with Kalima and like God, God worship and voodoo. And then um, there's also the the Holy Grail. Like it's very Christian based, but it's also like that's a lot of history. So it makes sense to like, well, what if the unbelievable is actually real, but it's all spiritual mm-hmm. or magical? But it also kind of like makes sense for for him as an archaeologist as well, that he would be interested in all of this. Exactly. Well. Interested in the truth, right? In history. Yeah. Uh, but then you get into like the crystal skull, it's aliens, you know, you get into this, it's time travel. And it's like, and it, and it kind of really takes the rug out from underneath the history by implying that time travel is the reason that history exists. And then you get into that time travel loop, right? Like they couldn't, they couldn't avoid that either. And so it just, it really falls apart and it, it, it becomes unbelievable and eye rolly when it should have been. Uh, a much more somber, I would have been okay with a somber goodbye, you know, or passing the torch, 
you know, to, to somebody yeah. else to do it, you know, and that's fine. Um, but the ending, great idea, actually. yeah, the ending with the, with, with, in his apartment was really like drug out. Like it felt like it should have been a lot more, I don't know, there was no chemistry or passion there. It just, it didn't, it didn't land well with me. And like I said, it's not a terrible movie, but it's just one of those movies where you're just like, they didn't need to make that. So like, this is the fifth one. They should have stopped at three. You know, I, I'm sure there's other franchises out there where people are just like, I was on board until they did this. And now I'm just like, I'm done. You know, it's <laughs> Game of Thrones, you know, like they were doing so well. And then the last two seasons, they just dropped the ball. And it just, it sucks because like, you don't want it to fail. You go in, they're going like, yeah, I like Harrison Ford. He's really good in shrinking with, uh, with the guy from How I Met Your Mother. Like he plays a really good grumpy old oh, guy. Siegel, yeah. Yeah, Siegel. Thank you. And it's just like, I, I want it to be good. And it just wasn't. I think I paused it three or four times and ended up on my phone for 20 minutes. Like it just, it wasn't, uh, was not the best. So can't recommend it, uh, unless you're going into it with rose colored glasses or being aware that you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. It's funny though. Cause sometimes I find if you go into something knowing or hearing that it's not good, the bar of expectations is super low. So it almost allows you to enjoy the parts that are okay in it. Like, was it more Mobius? Morbius, I think is what it's called. That got panned. But my wife and I love vampire shows and movies, huge fans of Buffy and whatnot. So we thought, ah, we'll give it a go. Vampires. And we heard that it's crappy, but you know, vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we actually, we enjoyed it. We just, we, we couldn't, because it was, we expected to be so bad. It just, it's sort of, it surpassed all of our expectations because our expectations were super, super low. I may end up watching it anyway because my wife is a fan of the Indiana, Indiana Jones movies, but I'll, I'll let her know. Okay. <laughs> Joel has said, and remember what he said about the latest Avatar movie, it's super eye-rolly, and, and it was. You were right. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had moments, but it's one of those things that just, I just could not get past. But yeah. anyway, that's it for the, the things on the, my side of what I've been watching where it's only me that's seen it. What have you been watching? I guess since you and I last recorded, I was uh, I watched all of Pluto and caught uh, the Marvel movies in theater. The Pluto movie, for those who... It caught me... It was one of those things I saw a clip on TikTok and somebody goes, what is this? An Astro Boy remake? And I went, oh, is that what it's supposed to be? So I went kind of looked into it. It's basically the, the original Astro Boy story from the 1960s. There was one story arc in it that had uh, featured a robot that was out wreaking havoc and trying to kill other robots named Pluto. So they, what they did is the, the writer actually took that and did and, and, and recreated it as like a side story. And uh, it's like an eight episode arc. It's very serious, very dark by comparison. Um, you know, don't necessarily want to get into too much detail about it because it's not our main chat for the day, but it's uh, but in, in Astro Boy is not even the main character in it. It's just the the story arc. It's there's a that that same robot Pluto is out and basically looking to murder the seven greatest robots on the planet so that he can be the greatest one remaining, sort of thing. So um, it ends up being sort of a a robot murder mystery. It's so it's I found it pretty interesting and it was I thought really well done. Um, like the, the, I always like the the way the sci fi stuff looked in Astro Boy. And so this was no um, this is like a modern quality version of all of the cool old sci-fi stuff that was in the i shouldn't say funny say old sci-fi stuff but 
the um the way that the the future was portrayed in the Astro Boy cartoons way back when it's like the same kind of look but just the quality and finish on all of the artwork was just that much better so um yeah so if you if you're a fan of the original Astro Boy series and you don't mind things like a, a little bit of a darker storyline then I I'd, I'd I'd recommend this for sure I found the ending was a little off like it felt like the thing that was threatening should have still happened the way the bad guy said it was going to and not the way that it played out i feel like there'd still be some sort of like catastrophe more than what happened so i don't want to give the spoilers out but i feel like it was a little let down by by the ending so i'll just leave it at that but overall eight episodes it's a mini series you're not in for a huge investment of time so it's uh i would recommend it I watched the original Astro Boy. That was like one of my afternoon, like it was either lunchtime or I can't remember. Maybe it was first thing in the morning. Yeah. That was the first thing in the morning. Like you wake yeah. up and grab breakfast and watch Astro Ahead Boy. of school. Yeah. Cause I remember I used to go, my sister and I used to go to other people's places. Cause mom always had to work at like 7am as a nurse. Kids from the neighborhood would all go to this one place and then you'd all walk That's to cool. school kind of together. I mean, this is childhood in the eighties. Mm. That was always on. Like it just, you just, you had to find something that everybody liked. And I always really liked it because it was animation, whatever. And at the time I didn't realize it was, of course, that it was Japanese. Like I just thought it was just straight up, you know, cartoons for kids. Right. Um, yeah. But this looks cool. Like it, it does, it does have those Astro Boy vibes. Like I can see the shape of his head. I can see like some of those like nods and oh, yeah. um, it looks really well animated. I, I, I usually have trouble with, with anime getting into it. I usually have to go with like American anime just because I find that the stuff that's, uh, dubbed or whatever can be a little bit hard to to watch sometimes but often it's mm-hmm. i forgive the talking head scenes because usually the action and the storytelling and the cinematography is so good that it's mm-hmm. it's worth it's worth sticking around for so yeah I've, i'll have it i'll have to add it to my list yeah. it, I, it's it's scrolled by and i was like oh that's something new that looks cool but then like i didn't really look into it because i was there i was on netflix to watch something else if you remember the original one original cartoon like some of the characters from it at all then you'll you'll remember the professor yep there's like there's a professor with a giant nose yep and they sort of recreate him in a way that still has those exaggerated features but not crazy exaggerated so it almost takes those ridiculousness of the proportions in those characters and brings them into a slightly more realistic design so i think i think they nailed it like it's mm-hmm. again it's it's darker don't go expecting the kind of lighthearted oh no thing. no i can tell from the trailer <laughs> it's it's good. So I'd, I'd recommend it. Very, very cool. And then um, going back to what I said about like the, the bar of expectations being very low so that I enjoyed it. And just talk about the Marvels briefly. Um, and I, I don't want to, you know, just using that as a bit of a segue, but I actually don't think it was as bad as everyone said it was. Like it's it's only got like a 6.0 or something like that on IMDb. But I think there are a ton of people out there that just don't like Brie Larson for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> she's uh, adorable. <laughs> she's amazing. And she's like, you know, she's an acting force as well. And so they, I think she, I think she did a great job in the movie. The, it, it's, it's, it's a definitely more of a lighthearted fun movie mm-hmm. because it's, it's basically about um, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel and Monica Rambeau, the as of yet, uh, no, no official superhero name yet <laughs> attached to her, and Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel, all becoming like you can see it in the trailer. So they they all become like cosmically intertwined uh, because all of all of their powers are light based. So when one of them uses their power at the same time, another one's using their power, then they swap places. 
And so it sort of creates this thing where Captain Marvel is ridiculously powerful, but she couldn't use her power all the time because if she did what someone else did, then she'd get pulled out of her fighting and then potentially bring one of the other less prepared three in to the peril that she was facing kind of thing. It sort of sets it up to be like this little bit slapsticky in that sense where there's just like swapping around and stuff. Like the chemistry between the three of them, I thought was really great. And I always feel bad. I'm going to mispronounce her name again, but Ms. Marvel, is it Iman Vellani? Yeah, that's her. Her chemistry in this is she's so believable as Kamala Khan. It's ridiculous. And I, <laughs> I went and watched some interviews with her after the fact. And I see why now she's like, she's actually like a Marvel super fan the same way that Kamala Khan is. She's like, she's basically that character. One of the interviews, someone was asking her questions. She said, well, you know, the whole Kang dynasty thing and the way that this is going to play out, it's a bit confusing. So I actually had to go back and read it two times to get a sense of how I think they might incorporate that into the MCU. And she was like naming off all of these characters and how they, they, as like, how they sort of interacted with with each other and how why they might go this direction as opposed to that direction. So I'm like, okay, she is, she is in the know. <laughs> so the, the the way Kamala Khan talks about all these characters and then just you know fangirling over all of them. That's that is Amon Valani right there. So maybe that's just her enthusiasm for all of that stuff. Like she she even said that in one of the interviews, you know, when she found out that she was going to be costumed by the person who did the costumes for the tv show shield or whatever she goes oh do you mean so and so like so and so like she knew the name of person who was in charge of wardrobe for right shield and was super excited that she was going to get the person you know she's just she's like an over-the-top super fan so that came across earnestly like it, it felt very very true in her character and she was like the the fun glue that kept a lot of the uh the chemistry going in the movie so it was, it was pretty good she's also 21 Oh, really? They didn't cast a 30-year-old to play a high school student or even mid-20s. Yeah. Like, she's 21. And it, when she was doing... I mean, when did she do the Miss Marvel TV series? That would have been three or four years ago, filming it. Yeah. So she would have been she it, yeah. 17 you know, at the time. Yeah. So so I, I think that's one of the things that I find so believable about her is that she's so talented for how old she is that they didn't have to go cast older to get her in that same sort of like energy. Yeah. Cause I've seen interviews with her as well. And I find that she has that, she has the same energy as Kamala Khan, like the Iman and Kamala are just very, very yeah. similar in terms of that, like verbal presentation, the way that she kind of like skips halfway through one sentence and starts another one and then goes back and like, she's all over the place. And um, I mean, it's very cute. She's, I find her adorable. Like I think she's very, very well cast. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. That's, this is her first role. She hasn't acted before. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about mind blowing sink or swim. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, one of the interviews, her, her, I think it was her aunt sent her like a thing in WhatsApp or what, basically one of their messaging apps like, Hey, you should go do this. No, 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 seriously. You should go do this. And then after being pushed a couple of times, she, she finally relented and went to audition. But yeah, what a dream. <laughs> like, yeah. Going from being like a high school student and then just right into Ms. Marvel. So I've not heard anything really harsh about the marvels the people that i tend to follow oh really well i don't dig right because i know that yeah. just the internet you can't please any marvel fan right now the marvel fans are becoming the new star wars fans like you just can't please anybody <laughs> and i'm i i know i can be one of them because like i really don't like taiko atiti i don't like james gunn's storytelling like i just i don't like their humor it feels forced mm. and that was the criticism that i have heard is that the humor in in this is is not great it's a little bit ham-fisted some of the time um i also yeah. feel like 
the other things that I've seen have been more of a criticism of like the MCU as a whole, rather than like the Marvel sucks and therefore the MCU sucks. It's more like, no, no, there's a lot of other things that are failing in the MCU and people are bringing that failure attitude to the Marvels. And that's why it's getting panned. It's not as bad as people say it is, is what, is no. what I get from some of the people that I find are a little bit more balanced when I'm watching like reviews. There's a couple of people I follow on TikTok that I quite like because they tend to be like, look, you know, it's not terrible, but like, here's why I think it's getting the, uh, an undeserved, you know, slamming is right. because like, it's not just this. It's like, the uh, Loki has some ups and downs. And then you also have Ant-Man had some problems and like, they just kind of go through the list of like, this is what people are bringing as far as baggage goes, you know, to the Marvels. And um, I I think it's also difficult to write for a character like Captain Marvel in the same way that it's difficult to write for Superman. Right. And yeah, I like that idea. I thought at first that the whole power swapping light thing was just like a gimmick in the story and i mm-hmm. thought oh god like that's gonna get tired real soon but i do like your note on the fact that because captain marvel is so powerful and the light powers swap their places if they happen to use it at the same time then then she can't use her powers all the time which means that there's more of a challenge for her like she can't just go in and yeah. just like blast everything and win she had to do a lot more hand-to-hand combat than you would expect captain marvel to have to so right like the, the, that to me that worked well. I, th- I thought that was well done. My biggest complaint is it feels like there should have been another Captain Marvel movie before this, mm-hmm. because because the the villain in this is basically set off by something that Captain Marvel did somewhere between the end of Captain Marvel in 1995 and today in 2023. Good lord! And so <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and so like. Basically, the, what this person has done and sought out in order to... It's all in spite of the thing that Captain Marvel did. And we don't even know when it happened. It was just like at the end of her movie that she's got to go and basically stop them from doing what they're doing kind of thing. And then but she, she basically goes off and does something to that effect, but we don't get to see any of it. And then, and then like, what is this, 30, 30 years later? This is the fallout from it. And so it's just like, wait that's that's what's going on right now like why didn't we get to see all of that other cool stuff in between so it just felt like this movie is about undoing the stuff to a degree that she did in between movies which to me is just like weird like why did why didn't we get that i would have loved to have gotten that in a way marvel is making a lot of the same mistakes that dc was making and that they're rushing it it's like mm. it's like they're scrambling and some it's like they do Endgame, and then spider-man far no way home does really well but then they make a couple of missteps and everyone calls yeah. them on it because they're used to epic level stuff right and then they start to scramble and rather than just like sticking with their guns and going at the pace that would be rewarding in like another five or five years or ten years or whatever they're rushing it and and everybody is just you can see that a mile away now because dc has been mm. rushing it for 10 years and they keep yeah. on falling right and so i i that's the the general feedback that that i see um i um i haven't i didn't go see it and i i probably would will just wait and watch it whenever it comes to disney plus that's provided yeah. that i still have disney plus cuz i think that may be one of the the services that i i ax because they're going up by like 3 or 4 dollars a month this month oh, and they don't have the library like i i love the content on some fronts like ahsoka fantastic will 100 percent resub whenever the next you know star wars thing comes out because they do very well 
you know, in Dave, yeah. in Dave Filoni, we trust. Or, or, or like maybe if, if you, I may, I may join you on that front, but maybe what we can do is like, wait till four episodes, like basically wait till a month goes by then sub and then catch, you know, something like that. Either way, sorry to interrupt, but I feel like I might join you on that front of handpicking subscription services. Yeah, I need to do better with that and just be like, this is going to come out for the next two months. I'll resub for two months and then just cancel it immediately after I know that, okay, my next month is going to encase the final episodes of this thing. And then when it's done, I'm just already unsubbed. Like rather than trying to remember to do it, I just have to yeah. just un unsub. Because um, yeah. I, I find that um, some places have the library and others do not netflix is another thing that i would be canceling but probably because of the cost of it because it's like 25 dollars a month um because i i have a 4k is tv it? well it's for me oh, okay. i i pay for the high version because i want the 4k and because netflix right. has got high fidelity it's a good app it's got great like streaming bandwidth like 4k and netflix looks amazing and we'll get to that in just mm. a second so like there's that aspect of it is just it's worth it for me um but also when i go to unsub for something like netflix when i go and look at all of the stuff that i have in my watch list 80 percent of it is netflix originals which means they're not going to go away like they're still going to be there when i come back in two months three months whatever to watch what whatever i want right yeah it's not like uh other shows where you know, and I mean, Disney's the same way. Marvel, the Marvel and Star Wars stuff, it's always going to be there. That's why it's such an easy thing to remove, right? But then you see some movies will be on Prime for a couple months and then they won't be if they're not a Prime original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff where like, I mean, I would keep Prime just because I keep the shipping anyway. But there are other services where uh, I'd want to keep it because they're either not going away or they're tied into other stuff that I do. Like my Apple TV is all bundled now. And like, I just, I use all that stuff anyway. So I might as well yeah. keep that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to look into doing some family sharing. There's like, there's stuff like that that can be done, but there's a couple of services that I really want to try and knock down as, as best I can. Speaking of Netflix, uh, both you and I have been watching mm. blue eyed samurai. And I will say now we won't get into spoilers because uh, I am only two episodes in two and a half. I was actually halfway through episode over dinner tonight, hoping to finish it, but <laughs> I took a phone call instead and, uh, I'm really really liking it and it takes a, a so lot <laughs> it takes a lot for me to say how much i like something like this when it's animated when it's cg when it's uh, an anime you know like there's a lot of things that usually stack again against my normal likes and dislikes when it comes to animated stuff like this and it's one of those things that i don't recommend lightly like i Mm -hmm. I 100% think that people should check this out with a giant asterisk of <laughs> it is a very adult show. Yeah, I was going to say you're probably saying the same thing I am right here. <laughs> yeah, no, it is violent. It is. There's nudity. There's sex. And but like male frontal nudity, like if you've watched Rome, <laughs> then like you, you you be prepared and it's animated. So like it's a little weird. Uh, yeah, but but they do it in a way that makes sense. Nothing is necessarily gratuitous like it's all part of the story or part of a character moment so far i mean obviously mm. a show but a samurai you expect there to be sword battles and stuff like that but this is re like really over the top but i think it's great that we just talked about the marvels because this feels like a superhero movie right it feels like yeah it's not just a samurai realistic history portrayal it's like this is like the superhero version 
of uh, the, the, the tall tale of what samurais could do. And they've just yeah, realized yeah. that. And they're just presenting it to you as like, this is just normal. People can get cut in half. That's just, just this is just normal. But it's going to happen all the time. <laughs> One thing I'll say about that, though, is they don't... I mean, I know you don't like Invincible. I, I enjoy Invincible. But the, they would show like somebody being punched into pieces and then seeing all of their pieces go all over the place, like in the middle of the screen, like that is the featured scene in it. So for, for me, like it's violent, but and they will show some people like get cut in half sometimes, but there's also the time where the sword goes in and goes, and then like it'll, it pans off a little bit. Then you might see like blood and then a couple fingers fall. So they don't necessarily show exactly all of the crazy violence all the time. They, they do a couple times. So just, just <laughs> if that's not your thing, just yeah. be aware, but it's uh. You may not want to eat while watching this show. No, like this, this for me is an <laughs> exceptional show. It's, uh, it's really, really quite beautiful to watch. It's, it's a, it's a stunning, stunning show. As an artist, the hand painted backgrounds, I've always mm. admired background artists in animation and, and I never, I never took the time to get really good at it. I, I did a little bit when I was first starting, but because of my strength and character design at the time and my eye for cleanup and detail, that's where I ended up going. Like cleanup animation, like the black finished line that people saw on TV was what I was doing. And right. I worked, I'm trying to remember his name. I worked with a very talented background designer in one of my first studio jobs and watching him and and seeing the stuff that he would show uh, and how he composed everything was just incredible. The amount of detail mm. was just amazing. And it's it's like these beautifully hand-painted backgrounds. It reminds me of Maurice Noble. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the name, but no. Maurice Noble did a lot of Warner Brothers backgrounds. So okay. imagine any Roadrunner cartoon where there's snow. And just now think about what you've been seeing in Blue-Eyed Samurai, right? Like how the tree bark is painted with like the white snow on top of it. Like it's very art deco. Oh, yeah. Like it's, 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 it's really surprisingly similar to Maurice Noble and it's beautiful. And the fact that mm. they've done hand painted backgrounds, but CG characters. Now, sometimes there's CG elements in the background. Like if a tree gets chopped in half and has to fall over, like that's CG, it's not hand animated, but there are things about it that just really, really meld very well. The characters are stylized, even though they are CG, they're flat. They have cell shading and, they um they're really really well done and mm -hmm. they they have really subtle textures they have a variety of like face shapes and personality and body types uh men and women of different you know ages like this just it's not just all cookie cutter something that can be a little bit guilty of in something like the bad batch you know like clone wars people can all kind right. of look the same after a while yeah uh because they're so stylized where this i feel like they really give themselves a lot of a lot of leeway um and it doesn't handicap the diversity like they they keep it really has its own look like now that i've seen two episodes you could show me any still from any episode that i haven't seen and i'd be able to like that's from blue samurai blue eyed samurai i know it yeah yeah you know because they've just the art direction is solid and i haven't had the time because i only just started watching yesterday or the day before but like i'm going to look up like the art direction i would love to see the art of like any kind of behind the scenes usually when these things air mm. those artists that work on it start releasing all the stuff that they've been doing you know over the last few years yeah, finally I can show you exactly no totally so I'm looking forward to to looking that up because, and also I know that there's going to be some artists doing fan art and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, 
the other positive that I took away immediately was that how well shot it is. You know, I know it's a cartoon, but they have the, I say cartoon, it's an animated feature, but they, they have the ability to put the camera wherever they want. And right. they do that very skillfully. You know, there's close up of hands, there's, um, shots being framed very specifically there's a lot of really cool slow motion that happens in the fight scenes yeah. and they're like just gonna mention that comic book splash pages you know like sorry if i'm stealing your notes i haven't read them i'm just no, like, no, no, we're no. on the same page this one was just me feeding off what you said and that's just one of the things i love where like it goes in and out of slow motion really well mm -hmm. the action sequences are just so precise but so well choreographed and there's a couple of times where it like verges on potentially unbelievable moves but overall i'd say like other than those couple of times it's uh, close to 100 percent plausible like that all of this stuff is doable by a master swordsman master swords person i feel the same way when i watched um across or into the spider verse for the first time like i just the only thing i could think of it's like it's so visually delicious like i just mm -hmm. oh it's so good i think it's unique without being so unique that it's weird like it's it's yeah. familiar like you understand what you're looking at it feels in some way which is why the violence and i think in the nudity is so surprising is because there's some subtle things about these side characters that you're just like this reminds me of a disney movie like it reminds me of bell going through the <laughs> town and talking to like the butcher and the baker and the librarian and then the <laughs> nope, next thing nope. you know they're all naked and you're like wait the butcher's what? naked <laughs> like, didn't need to see that uh, but yeah. that, that kind of stuff is, is, is very, <laughs> I think the reason why it kind of hits you is because we're all so used to seeing one level of quality and that's either Studio Ghibli, Disney, Pixar, Illumination. What's the one that did Mario? Illumination. Yeah. Illumination. Yeah. So like all those houses, like you, you know that that's the quality you're getting, but then you see something else that's on Netflix or some other thing. You kind of go into it with a slightly lower bar really good example would be the dragon prince like it's a very cool show at first i haven't kept up with it but yeah me either thanks for the reminder i didn't go into that thinking like this is going to be like pixar like this is gonna like it and it wasn't the animation was good enough but it was mm -hmm. stiff you know like it was it's it looked like a cg tv show this yeah. is does not have that vibe like this has like they have they're using technology to their advantage to yeah. have it all melt away and just tell a beautiful visual story. Yeah, they spent the full budget on this one. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. And and I, I, I haven't looked ahead. I think it's only eight episodes. Um, there was a trailer. Uh, yes, I believe it was. There was a trailer at the end of the first episode that said, like, coming this season on Blue-Eyed Samurai. And I stopped it because I was like, I don't want to see all this. Like, I don't want to see all the visual mm -hmm. spoilers. I want all that to happen in real time for me because I was so invested after the first episode. I mean, I saw the trailer, but thankfully for me, I didn't. And I'm not saying this won't be for everyone, so don't don't go and watch it. But for me, I I saw it all, but I didn't know how it fit into the story. So thankfully, my brain forgot it all. Like I didn't have this moment coming up to it and go, "Oh, that's where this is going to happen," kind of thing. I was just mm. able to put it out of mind, and and I didn't even really know. I thought it looked cool, but I didn't know much about it beyond that. And then once I got into it, I was like, "Oh my goodness, I've got to! I need to watch two episodes before bed tonight. This is so <laughs> so yeah. riveting and just." To, to let everyone know, basically, it's the story is about the main character, Mizu, who's a half white, half Japanese sword master with blue eyes. So like half Caucasian, that's where the blue eyes come in. And they're on a request, basically, of revenge. Like that's that's like these the smallest plot I can give without giving anything away. And it's good. <laughs> they execute it very, very well. It's well paced. 
Uh, there's lots of humor, but the humor is not the kind of humor that you get in a Taika Waititi movie. Like it's not jammed mm-hmm. down your throat, written joke on it, and then just like bashed into your teeth. Like it's just, it's, it's yeah. subtle and it doesn't come from Mizu. It comes from the other characters. Like yeah, Mizu is your superhero, super samurai sword, you know, swordsman, uh, not, AKA Thor, it, like the hero. And so Thor shouldn't be making all the jokes. Like it should be the side yeah. characters, like that kind of stuff. And, and this is what, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, Ringo. Ring, Ringo. Ringo yeah. was very funny. And, and I thought yeah. he was going to get annoying, but he quickly grew on me. Uh, Masioka, um, old school from Heroes. Anybody remember that TV show on NBC? Yeah. Um, I've actually been thinking about watching that again. Yeah. Movie, he is very funny in this. And yeah. uh, I, I will say one line that add me roaring I will, it spoils nothing. Peaches. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I roared, roared. I was <laughs> great callback. Like it was very, very well done. And, and that kind of stuff is, is the kind of consistency in his humor, yeah. right? He doesn't, he doesn't break the mold, but he, he plays very well inside of his box. But he's, yeah, he, he's not like a, your typical comedic relief type of character. He's no. not over the top. He's like, his humor comes across from him being like earnest and honest and trying to be true while also being just a very lighthearted human. Like just the bumbling physical comedy makes you think that he's incapable, but then mm-hmm. he proves himself to be capable in different ways. And so exactly. you think, oh, at first, oh God, bumbling idiot that doesn't show up, like uh, shut up. Like this is going to be the same for the next eight episodes and it isn't and that's the thing is like okay well he's endearing and like you said he's cheerful and positive which is funny considering all the violence that's going on yeah uh but then uh this the way that he ends up showing up in other ways again without any spoilers uh that you're like okay like he's got different skill sets and he approaches things a little bit differently but he still he has value and that's what i think is really interesting is that he has value to the story he has value to mizu beyond just his value to the viewer as comic relief. And I think that yeah. that's a really good balance. It's a, it's good writing. You know, like I think that's, that's something really strong about this. And, and one of the better voice acted characters, um, I think that uh, to round them out, we've got uh, Maya Erkshin, or Erkshin uh, as um, Mizu. And I like her well enough. I think part of it is the way that she has to voice the character. And mm. hopefully that will change I'm only a couple episodes in, but if that doesn't change, that might be a little bit forced. And because I think that the arc for Mizu is obviously the whole season. Yeah. I'm not getting much change in her her personality. She tends to be pretty one note with a couple of little fun one-liners here and there, but it's so far, I don't want to say that the character is flat, but the character's dialogue is flat. And I'm hoping that changes. She kind of reminds me of Ahsoka, though. Like, remember you were saying that? Because for me, I was saying she just, Ahsoka seemed so, mm. just like one note and just so serious all the time. And then you kind of, you kind of likened it to, uh, you mentioned a samurai type of oh. character when we were chatting about it. And I'm like, so I, I actually kind of see, see what you mean. Though. Like the, they have the same sort of, that sternness to them, but heaviness. Gravitas. Yeah. Yeah. And and also like just to go back to that cinematography, like you can look at shots of duels in this show and look at shots of duels from Ahsoka. It's the same. It's the same yeah. shot. 
you know, like it's it's the kind of thing where like <laughs> did, did Filoni get a get a peek at, at um, <laughs> Blue Eyed Samurai before it went out? There's other actors as well. Uh, I really like Carrie Hiroki Tagawa. Uh, he plays the old sword sword maker. Uh, George oh, Takai yeah. is Seki, and he's great. Not campy at all. And I it took a minute for me to recognize who it was. It's like it sounds like George Takai, but yeah, I. I could be wrong. Yeah, he's a really, really sincere character. Like, yeah, like and really subtle acting as well. Um, Brenda Song as Akimi. I think that's how you pronounce that character's name. Delivers. Akimi, yeah. uh, she's great. Yeah. I So I might get this wrong. Randall Park, who we all know from Marvel films, I think he plays Akemi's dad, Henji uh, Shindo, or is no, he like the he, villain? He's the villain. He He's the right-hand man of... The, the evil white man. Right. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so it's not him then, but whoever plays Akimi's dad, because again, I'm not, I haven't really committed all the different Japanese names to memory. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like his acting. And I think it's got less to do with the voice acting and more to do with the voice that they chose doesn't match the face that it's coming out of. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it sounds weird to say there are so many other characters in this that are voiced by Japanese and or uh, Asian actors. And the one white character, uh, a foreigner, I think he's supposed to be Scottish, um, is voiced by a, a white actor. But then yeah. this one Japanese character, Akimi's dad, her, his voice doesn't match the culture <laughs> that he's supposed mm. to be in. It, it feels very weird. Um, and I think the other thing is that this, and this comes with one of my nitpicks, which is, I can't turn off my animator eye as much as I love all the things that are flowing into it. The lip sync in the show is often terrible and it's not dubbed. It's not originally meant to be uh, Japanese. It's, it's meant to be in English. Uh, right. And they, they put all this time and love into the character models and their lips barely move when they talk. And if you watch any animated car, you know, show from like Disney or Pixar, their mouths are almost over animated and you kind of have to do that to come to, communicate like mouth shapes and expression and that's something that i've never liked about anime in general the mouths have very little movement they just kind of flap and i can understand that disconnect when it's originally animated to be in japanese and then of course of course the lip sync is not going to match when it's english versus japanese like that makes sense like if it's overdubbed right but with this being english originally uh, it just, it really doesn't line up. A good example would be something like Legend of Korra or Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Like the lip sync matches up there. Now they're more cartoony, they're more for kids. And so it's a little bit more over the top. And I think that that is something that they could have done more of. And it's inconsistent because there's sometimes you get like a drunk village bystander and the mouth animation is fantastic because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like he's loud and he's being belligerent. And he's like making stupid faces and all that kind of stuff. And so I find that, um, especially with any of the, and this is kind of like an interesting character design choice. Like there are some characters that have very small mouths as a lot of, I will say Asian people mm. just tend to have smaller jaws and smaller mouths. Then there's also a kind of an Asian archetype where they have very broad square jaws, big wide eyes and like a pointy nose, but then also like a great big mouth, often with like a long skinny mustache or something like that. And the, so they have a great big mouth, but then they talk. And their jaw moves, but their lips barely flinch. And it just, oh, right. it looks like a puppet. 
and I just, it drives me crazy. It's a small thing. Like it's a small nitpick. It doesn't affect like my overall enjoyment of the show, but there's definitely like a little eye twitch that happens on the couch when it happens. It's like, <laughs> God, you couldn't like, you go all this way to do all this amazing stuff and you can't finish that. Like just, it's a close up of the face. Like, could you at least animate the lips doing something? Um, and it's the only time when you go, Oh, right. It's a CG puppet. Like it's not a hand-drawn character like it's it's an as a cg puppet that just doesn't have the controls or doesn't they didn't do it to do that and that's that's yeah. frustrating i find other than that like I, I don't have a lot of shortcomings like a couple of the voice acting like i said and then and then the lip sync is really where i'm at um i've really enjoyed how the characters that mizu is interacting with are either tied to her past or are reflections of past experiences mm -hmm. and sometimes it's direct link sometimes like the little kid that bullied her is the is the grown man she has to deal with now and then other times it's more about like the spirit of the person or um something like that and it's not always immediately obvious i like how like you catch on a little bit later like oh wait a minute i recognize that attitude or that stance yeah. you know there's a lot of really subtle things that happen with like the samurai standoffs where like you change your foot position and then the other person knows the move that you're going to make. So there's a bit of chess going on and I'm not so in tune with it to be recognizing it, but I imagine there's probably things where like this person does this stance and then we don't see that person again until years and years later. And then they do the stance again or that pose and your brain goes, Oh, oh but you don't really yeah. realize it yet. Like you haven't really had the reveal, but you kind of like, there's something familiar about this. Like they're, they're paying it. They're making me pay attention to this for a reason. And it ends up paying off in the long run. I, again, very, very cool stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching more. Moving on into the internet minute, which is of course brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server shared with my personal Discord and access to the Barista Cut bonus audio sessions. We also record the Citadel Cafe live now, and there are a number of people in our Discord right now enjoying the live recording. Special thanks to our Bean Counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Thank you ever so much for your support of this episode. Patron count is at 28, which is steady on from last time we recorded. Our goal each time we sit down to record is to have at least one more patron than the previous episode. If you would like to be patron number 29, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Now, this will surprise absolutely no one, but I, of course, have chosen a Lego set for my Internet Minute pick. But uh, it is because it's Christmas time. It's December Toys are in the air. Lego has been releasing new things. And this is the Orient Express train set 21344. 2,540 pieces, five inches high, four inches Jeez. wide. You might think that doesn't sound very big. It's almost four feet long. So it has it has some length. The cost in Canadian is $389.99, which is too expensive for my blood. But it is mm. a beautiful Lego model. We've talked before about that really delicate balance between Lego studs versus Lego plates. And I mean, you look at any of the close-ups of this steam engine and how it's constructed and engineered and the fact that there's round pieces and curves and straight lines and everything just really comes together and sings. Uh, I like trains, so it doesn't take a big push for me to really like, you know, train models. Um, but I don't think anybody could scoff at this if this was in your house like along a mantelpiece or a sideboard or something it's just like a decorative you know piece of 
a, a yeah. model of history, you know, the Orient Express. Like it's it's very very cool. There's lots of details inside too. I didn't spend a lot of time looking at at those, but uh, the cars all have like people in them with like big fur coats and big hats, and there's uh, dining tables and really ornate um, dividers and and privacy screens and paintings on the hmm. wall, like super super lavish um, kind of inside decor. And uh, I just think it's one of Lego's better presentations up there with all the, you know, the stuff that people want from a train. Um, it's it's meant to be more of a display model. However, I think unlike the Harry Potter train, that's just a display. This one does interact with the Lego track system. That's cool. Yeah. So I don't believe that this is powered out of the box. You'd probably have to figure out how to get a motor inside of it somewhere probably in the coal car would be my guess as the best place for mm. it but it does work with other tracks so even if you had a moving train around your city and you wanted this to be on like a, a side part of it it would it's on the right scale and it would work with the lego track system so i i'm impressed can't say it's on my list just because of the, the price tag of it and it's very specific but but yeah very very cool what is your pick this week surprise surprise it's not lego <laughs> For me, it's a a little a little app, a little utility for Mac OS. It's called Gest Timer, as in like gesture slash timer. So it's a really simple app that I've been using for a while, and I sort of don't even think about it because it's just there in my menu bar. But when I went to go check the preferences, there was a little thing that I that said Gest Timer two came out, and so I hadn't I didn't even know it's been out for six months, but I hadn't I just realized it, so I thought it'd be a good thing to mention. So. It's 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 a very simple app has one purpose. So basically you click on it in the menu bar and you you drag down and away from its spot in the menu bar and the further you drag away from the menu bar the the more the timer goes up. So it's I know it sounds weird but like you don't just you don't click and then say type in 5 minute timer. You just you just yoink away from the menu bar and then it's I like it because it doesn't have to be precise. It can be approximate. Like if I knew that an hour from now I wanted to, an hour-ish of from now I wanted to do a specific thing, I just drag it down. It could be fifty-six minutes or one hundred and three. I don't have don't care to be that precise. And then you let go, and a little window pops up, and you just type a little note in there, and it could be, um, um, call mom, and then it automatically adds it to your reminders app slash calendar app, um. Like it, it puts it in as a task, so you'll get the notification on your phone if you got it set up to do that, and then mm. on your Mac. And so it's just, and it's got a countdown timer in the, you don't have to worry about it a lot. I, I use it in meetings when I don't want to have to then open up a new app, go and type some stuff in. If it's just a simple thing, then I'll just like, you know, call so-and-so later. And it's, yeah, I love it. It's, uh, I think it's, I think it's more expensive than it used to be. It's 10 bucks, but I, I've gotten enough use out of it that, I just I bought the second one like as soon as I saw that there was a new one and um it's it's cheaper through the upgrade upgrade and I'm going to try to get this right because it's it's not a usual usually whenever there's an app for the Mac that you buy through the the uh the Mac App Store you can't offer upgrade pricing like Apple doesn't allow that so if you have version 1 of the app and it's 10 bucks and you have version 2 of the app come out and it's $10 as well you can't say well since you had version 1 you can get this at a discount. Um, but what the Mac store lets you do is create a bundle of apps. So like if if one, if there's a company that sold fitness apps and there's like, there's a yoga app for 20 bucks 
and there's a weightlifting app for 20 bucks. But if you buy them together, you get them for like 50, you, you can you get the first one for 20 bucks and you'll get the second one for 15 because it's a bundle. So what this person did is they actually made, they had version one in the app store still, and then they included version two in the bundle. So if you already bought version one, then you can get version two for like $3 off. So they kind of, they found a workaround for doing an upgrade in the app store, which I thought that was kind of brilliant because I hadn't actually seen anyone do that before. It's neat. I, I like the simplicity of it. Uh, I, I don't remember the name of what it was called, but I used to have a, an app. It had something to do with time machine and scheduling it. I mean, you can do that now natively. So obviously I don't have that anymore, but it, at the time mm. it was like two or $3, which was expensive in the app store way back when, like it, the, <laughs> yeah. that, it, the, everything is either. What? You want to be able to pay for it? Yeah. If it was more than a buck, you're like, I'm not buying that. Uh, but it was uh, really, really just simple and easy to use, really straightforward. Um, I, I find that um, there are a couple of apps now, especially when you use them all the time. Uh, I'll give a plug to Audio Hijack, which is what I use on my Mac to do podcasting, recording, and record audio to different channels and things. And it's fantastic. And it's not cheap. It's like 30 or $40 altogether. But they do, they're outside of the app store. Uh, they operate out of the website. And they do within their app, they've built in that upgrade pricing. So like new mm. Audio Hijack 3, $45. If you already own Audio Hijack 2, the upgrade price is 20 bucks. And I'm like, sign me up. I use this nice. twice a week. You know, like I will absolutely buy it. And it's not like it's into the $100. And thankfully, they have not gone the way of everybody else and started to charge a subscription for access to it. Shh. <laughs> don't tell them right yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's it's but they they charge for it they maintain it they update it free updates throughout you know it's it's cycle as it gets more features or bug fixes or like whatever uh or as um honestly what usually happens is mac os ends up with something new and then audio hijack then takes advantage of that and then they send out a free update and it's only mm -hmm. when like the architecture changes for mac os and they have to say all right look we have to go to like audio hijack 4 so like we rewrote everything you, yeah. yeah you have to buy the new one and that's fine uh and so i, I i've stuck with them uh rogue amoeba is the name of the company i'll see if i can remember right. to put the links and stuff in in the notes for this week but yeah no i i really i really like them and there's, there's something to be said for these simple apps you know like i don't have a lot going on on my Mac uh, menu bar, but like there's a couple things that I really like having up there. Um, I know I have a LastPass password manager, you know, like I've got some other things that are up there that are really fun. Uh, as a matter of fact, Audio Hijack has a little icon there that I can use <laughs> to monitor. So like if I didn't want to have the whole thing uh, down in front of me for just the timing, you know, I could, I could check on it from time to time, which is nice. Um, I tend to be more uh, controlling when I'm hosting a show, I kind of like to know where we are, you know, in terms of the the grand scheme of things. And that, folks, is at the end. Uh, that's where we're going to wrap up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. If you want to get some information about the show, links to things that Stephen and I talked about is all at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email the show at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on social media. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can share the show with friends. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a few friends about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. 
My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything that I'm doing online at joelduggan.com, including a link to the Spawn Chunks, my other podcast about Minecraft. And you can follow me on social media at Joel Duggan and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream at least three days a week. Most of the time it's been satisfactory with Minecraft on the weekends, but that's going to be taking an uptick because as I mentioned at the top of the show, Minecraft 1.20.3 is out now and I have some work ahead of me. So I'll be probably splitting my time between both Satisfactory and Minecraft going forward. Stephen, where can people find you online? Most often these days at twitch.tv slash stephenese. And again, that's Stephen with a PH. And uh, since we were talking about Mastodon, I am on the main Canadian instance, mstdn.ca slash at stephenese if you want to give it a go. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. 